So uh, I was telling the first service last night was my the first chance I ever got to share a sermon with a dog. There was actually a dog down here in the front row, so that was interesting. I think he got saved, so <laughs> I know a lot of you are concerned about that. So, um, so I every usually every Thursday night there's a few of us that get together, uh, like in a small group, and. Um, Usually we kind of take turns uh, bringing food or some kind of snackies to that little party. And uh, so it was, uh, it was my friend Tim and his wife Felicia. It was their turn to bring snacks. And so they said they were bringing brownies. So now in my head, when you say brownie, I think of like a pan with some sort of chocolate cake type substance in there. Uh, apparently this isn't what Tim thinks when he thinks brownies, so... So we, uh, we, we got the brownies, and he, first he cut out a piece of brownie and put it in a bowl and put that in the microwave to warm it up to release the gooey, sweet goodness that's in there. Then on top of that, uh, a pile of vanilla ice cream. And so I'm thinking, wow, this is more brownie than I've ever had before. And he says, no, we're not done yet. Out of the bag, he pulls some hot fudge sauce and caramel and just lavishly drizzles it all over the top of it and... Anyone hungry? I'm sorry. I don't know why I do this, but I'm, I have like a one-track mind. Um, so apparently that's what Tim thinks of when he thinks brownie. And uh, it was a little, uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, I got fired from a church I was working at. We, uh, we couldn't agree on what a brownie was. Um, see, there's this word that the church uses. In fact, it's all through the Bible. Uh, it's called the gospel and uh, when you trace that word, it really just means the good news. What good news does God have that human beings need to hear? And uh, they thought it was a brownie, just one in the plate. I thought there was maybe ice cream and hot fudge on top of that. I thought maybe the good news was even more good. Uh, so we couldn't agree on that. And um, now, so what is, what is the gospel? What is God's message to humans? And that's what we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this morning. So if you have a Bible and would open it up to the book of Ephesians, um, that's in the New Testament, so it's, it's kind of towards the back. And we're going to go to uh, chapter 2, which is the big number. Um, and we're going to start reading at verse 11, which are the little, little teeny numbers. Um, now there's going to be a word that we're going to run into here. Uh, it's the word peace, and we're going to find it a couple times. Um, see, it's sort of like a brownie, like when one person says a word, one, someone thinks this and someone thinks something different. We all have different perspectives when it comes to words. So let me kind of help you understand one of the most helpful things that Scripture does for us all the time is instead of just giving us words, it gives us words that point to pictures. So when the Bible uses the word peace, uh, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom, and if we're ever confused about what that means, the word shalom comes from the picture that God gave us uh, in a garden. A garden with uh, beautiful trees that had delicious fruit with two humans that were, um, were so connected together and full of peace, they could stand in front of each other completely naked and not even be embarrassed. Now these humans in this garden, they cared for it. And in this garden was a life that was whole and complete, everything that they needed. And on top of that, this God would come and walk with these humans in the cool part of the day, every day. 
And this God loved being with the humans, and the humans loved being with God. And all of these things together created peace, shalom, wholeness. So now with that in mind, let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read through some of these verses together. Uh, Verse 11. Uh, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth... uh, Let me pause there for a second. Now, basically in the Bible, there's two kinds of people. Um, there's this group of people called the Hebrews, the Jewish people, the Israelites. Um, And then everyone else gets lumped up in one word. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're African, Hawaiian, uh, any other nationality, every other nationality gets wrapped up in one phrase called Gentile. So if anyone ever said Jews and Gentiles, that includes every single human being in the human race. So you Gentiles uh, are by birth called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. And that's Paul's way of saying the same thing. To be without God in the world is to be without hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our shalom, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. See, those same humans in the garden who had such a whole relationship with God and each other that they could be face-to-face naked without being embarrassed. Who knows after how long they enjoyed that kind of life, but uh, they gave in to being tempted and they ate fruit. And the first thing that happened after they ate this fruit is their eyes were open and they were divided. They noticed for the first time that they they weren't one, they were different. It even says that part of what happened then was that human beings from that point on would fight for control. They would fight for control of the relationship. Now, I know all those of you who are married have no idea what it's like to fight for control of the marriage, so I'm sure there's nothing applicable there for us. I'm sure we never run into nations who are fighting for control. Halfway through verse 15, it says, His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, making shalom, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Now, um, this exact same story is told in a different way by Jesus. Now, Jesus came and told stories, some of them kind of obscure and strange, uh, some of them right out of their own lives. And one time he was teaching, he told a story about a father who had two sons. Um, So things are going along pretty well, and then one son decides that he wants his inheritance because he's going to go live his own way. Uh, So he leaves the family, um, spends the money, squanders it on prostitutes and drinking and living wildly, orgies, I think that's what the story says. All kinds of wild living. So much so that he ends up, the um, only job he can find is, is feeding pigs. 
Now, for a Jewish person to hear about pigs, uh, those, that's an animal they weren't allowed to touch, be around, eat. That was what was called unclean. Not only was he feeding the pigs, but because he was so broken, only food he could find was eating the same food that they ate. To be a Jewish person and hear of a human eating food that unclean animals eat. Hmm. Now, there was another son in the story. This son stayed home. Um, and so finally the son who's eating the pig food decides, comes to his senses and decides he's going to come home and the father runs out to meet him throws a huge party and the, uh, the son who stayed home is not very happy about this and I'm sure on some level it's a story about uh, those of us who wander away and come back to God and how he celebrates that I'm sure that's there um, But I think the first thing that the people listening to the story would be thinking about, they knew about a father. In fact, to say father for them, uh, it's hard for them not to think of Abraham, the father of their nation. And Abraham himself had two sons, uh, one Isaac and one Ishmael. One of them, Ishmael, was sent away from the family. And every single descendant of Ishmael was now by the Hebrew people considered unclean, like a pig. So now Jesus is saying that all those people that you consider unclean, the same value as pigs, they're coming back home to their father because Abraham is the father of both the Jews and the Gentiles. This whole thing was supposed to be one family. And there's some people who aren't that pleased with that. Happens to be the son who stayed home, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. See, because to some people, when there's a dividing wall of hostility, usually that ends up benefiting some people and hurting the other folk. Now, when I was married, um, there's a lot that I don't remember about my marriage ceremony. I don't know how many of you guys are in that same boat. Um, Part of it is because I got married like in a Victorian mansion, And so we got married like in the front room and so it was really small. And then what happened was the people all like stood around the outside walls like junior high kids at a dance, all standing around the outside. And then me and my wife were in the middle so like we could see everyone and they were all looking at us. And when I get in a moment that's socially awkward, I can't help but giggle and laugh. And that's not good, especially like when something weird happens at a funeral. That people aren't gracious towards laughing people at that. But... Um, so I start getting the giggles. I don't remember a whole lot of what happened. I remember the pastor who did the wedding went on for a long time about uh, rings and like rings of gold and how they were a sign of precious metal and eternal. And I giggled because my wedding band was silver and he's going on about gold. And I was like, wow, this is, are you here too or is it just me? But I remember there was one part of it where there was a couple of candles on a table and there was um, one of them, it was my wife's job to light, and then the other one, it was my job to light. But then next to those was one bigger candle. Oh, I blew it out. hate that. Um, so we stood there, um, and these candles were sort of a symbol of what was happening to us at that moment. Because I... Um, I'm an individual person. I have certain ways that I live. I like certain foods. I like certain music. I like my house organized a certain way. I like the towels folded a certain way. 
I like my clothes lined up in the closet a certain way. You understand what I'm talking about. I have certain ways that we celebrate Christmas, uh, usually the best ways. I have certain ways we celebrate Thanksgiving and holidays, and I have a way to live that so far my mom and dad taught me, and that's the way, that's the right way to live. And then there's this woman. (laughs) Right? Now, she's got certain ways that she thinks are right, and uh, ways to fold the laundry, and I can't imagine how... I, I. when I fold socks, I put them to, I ball them together so they stay together. Uh, other people, like my wife, just throw all the socks in a pile and just do a mad search every morning. It doesn't make any sense to me. I can't understand it. Um, so anyways, we're both standing there with candles in our hands. Candles that represent two different ways to live. Two distinct individual people. Now, what the pastor didn't ask us to do, he didn't ask my wife to blow hers out because she's going to stop existing and just live my life. I know some marriages, seems like it works like that. One of you disappears. That's not unity. That's something else. Maybe hiding, maybe blaming. But we stood there together and looked at this moment and said, Will, two different things will they together become something new? Now, so will, will Jews and Gentiles, which really just means will human beings, will people with darker skin and people with lighter skin become something new? Will people that are male and people that are female? It's not one of you blow out your candle. Will we together become something new? Will people who have more money than they need and people who don't have enough money to stay alive, will they both become something together? Apparently God's dream from the beginning is that there be one family. So in some ways... Yes, the gospel is Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins so we don't have to feel guilty anymore. Absolutely. But that's just the brownie at the bottom. You haven't even put it in the microwave yet. (laughs) Right? Amen? Now, this really funny guy named John Lennon wrote a song uh, a while back. I'm not going to play it or anything because I'm not that good. But um, it's funny how, in some ways, I feel like he has more imagination than most Christians I've known over the last seasons of my life. Imagine, imagine there's no country. Um, nothing to fight or die for. Just human beings living, living like one. See, that's not John Lennon's picture. Anything great people steal from God, we all know that. Just like anything good PC they stole from Mac. Everybody knows that. It's, a, it's not John Lennon's dream for the world. It's God's dream for the world. That it would be one. That everything that's divided us since the first time we ate the fruit and pointed out the differences in each other. We've been doing that ever since. And we're good at it. 
But some of the question is, why would he be doing this? Why would he want humans to be one? Okay, so we got a brownie now. We got some ice cream. Is there any caramel or hot fudge we can sprinkle on top of this? I think there might be. Now, when I was little, um, I had what my counselor and I had like a counselor therapist like in third grade for all kinds of reasons. But um, one of the reasons because I had an obsession with lying. I love to not tell the truth. Um, okay, so here's an example. One time I was in uh, third grade, and I don't know what, this, apparently some brilliant minds in the public school system, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not. Some brilliant minds in the public school system put their heads together, and they decided the best way to get the report cards of students home was to give it to the kids to take home to their moms and dads. So they give me my report card. I get on the bus. I open the report card, of course. Some kids didn't. They're holding the report card like, no, this isn't to me. It's to the parent. I said, this is to me. I'm opening this. I open it up. I look at the grades. And there's certain uh, characters of the alphabet written down that I know are not going to elicit a good response from my parents. So uh, there's only one choice. I take the report card, and once I get off the bus, I stuff it as deep into a bush by my house as I can. And then I go home, and my parents say, where's the report card? We knew it was coming. And I go, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but my lying didn't really stop there. It went further than that. I first met this cute girl named Jen from Michigan, and she found out I was from California, and we're kind of on our first date, and so far things are going really well. And then she asked me a question. She says, hey, you're from California. Do you serve? Now, quickly, my mind starts racing. Okay, she's never seen me before, so she has no idea what the right answer to this question or not is. And of course, the right answer to this question for her is yes, you can't be from California and admit that you never surfed before. So I have a choice here. I can either tell the truth, which would be amazingly uncool, or I could tell a lie, which would be very cool. I say, of course I did. Uh, um, <laughs> so now after I lied to my dad, uh, he decided, now my dad was a lawyer, so he had really good ways of helping people understand when they were lying. So he decided he was going to tell me a story about a certain liar, um, a certain puppet that liked to lie. You know what I'm talking about, right? This is the story he read to me. Yeah. So he starts telling me the story, and uh, some of it sounds familiar. I'm like, well, I heard about some guy getting swallowed by a whale and then spit up later before, but I didn't think that was in this story. Well, I found out it was in both. Um, but then, so there's a story about this little puppet who wants to be human and I think the point for my dad to read the story was that I would see the error of my ways and not want to lie but as the story went on that was the last thing I was thinking about so wait you mean this little wooden thing called a puppet wanted to be more than he was I can relate to that Um, well, I, let's open up to Ephesians. We're going to go into chapter 1 and talk a little more about what, what else is the gospel? What more is God's dream for the world? So Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to pick it up at verse 3. 
And if you don't have your Bibles, you can... There you go, on the screen. I don't even have to tell you. Uh, Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now these verses have caused actually plenty of fights in the church. Uh, There's some people who see God as um, read this verse and say every single person that God has ever seen, God in advance chooses whether they're going to go through door number one or door number two. Um, other people see it differently. I would be one of those people that sees it differently. And uh, I thought maybe the way I could help is by, sometimes the problem is we, um, we read the Bible through the lenses that we have, and sometimes we don't realize that those lenses are causing us to see things that may or may not be there. So if I was a, a Jewish person or a first century person reading these words, um, let me change one word in here and see if maybe I can help you see things just a, a little bit differently. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed humans in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ, the human. For he chose humans in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined humans for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. All of this gave him pleasure. In him, humans have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that like hot fudge or caramel, he has lavished on humans. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So apparently there's this mysterious plan that we're going to find out what is. What is the plan that God's had for humans since the beginning? To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Um... See, I think the part that um, I sat here maybe about three or four weeks ago and Greg was teaching a message about sex. And so I'm always interested in that topic. And he's talking about sex in the context of covenant. And he's describing how all through Scripture, uh, Old and New Testament, there's a picture um, that sort of pops up over and over um, about a marriage, about a God who's a groom, and about humans sometimes the nation of Israel, sometimes the church in the New Testament, but a group of humans who are the bride. And 
it sinks into me. I'm sitting right about over there. And I think for a second, God wants to marry humans? That's weird, man. (laughs) Sorry, that sounds weird. And then I stop after reading these verses. So God's plan before he created the world was to marry humans. Now, I've gone through something a little bit like this. I, I grew up in a house with my mom and my dad, and we lived certain ways. There was like a McCoy way to live. There was characters in this family. There was the father, uh, my dad, uh, Tim. There was my mom, Jan, my sister, uh, Jamie, my brother, Justin. We, we were McCoys. We had history. We had things that we had done together. We had built a family together. And then something really weird happened. On one day uh, in September, I got married. I took my candle and another person did, and we lit a new candle. So on that day, Jennifer became part of the McCoy family in like one instant. Okay, so what you're saying, God, in the Bible is that Jesus has a family. He's got a father. So there's Father, Holy Spirit, and Son. And just think about this for a minute. Um, How do you think God the Father feels about Jesus? Now sometimes, like uh, last night was one of the times, sometimes I go into my kids' rooms after they're sleeping and because uh, I love to watch them sleep. There's something, when I see my kids sleeping, I, there's something I feel I can't hardly explain. It's this really deep sense of, I, I just, I love this kid. I can't believe that in some ways I helped create this kid, but man, I love this kid. Um, and my kids are bad. And yet I still feel this towards... So then I think about... I think about a father named God who looks at his son, Jesus, who only always does exactly what the father wants and loves to do it. And I think, God, you must be crazy in love with Jesus. And I wonder, what, what do you think they love to do together? And to be honest, when I look at that, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I feel like a puppet. I'm not real. Not compared to that. And in the same way that a wooden puppet joins a family that he has no business in, puppets don't become boys, but this one did. In the same way, one human family, one human being, one body is going to marry into a family that we have no business being in. Father, Holy Spirit, and a son with a new wife. So then I start thinking, wait a second. So uh, the, the ark and um, Abraham and the law and all the crazy stories in the Old Testament, and Jesus, 
and the dying on the cross and, the, and all that stuff. That wasn't the plan. That's what the Father had to do to rescue the plan, to save the bride. It's not just a brownie in the bottom of a bowl. There's ice cream, and when does it stop? When does the good news to human beings stop? So it, it leads me to a couple of questions. Um, one of my questions is if so then what are we supposed to be doing now and I'm sitting at the coffee shop thinking about this craziness that Jesus wants to marry me and I'm looking around at other people in the coffee shop and I'm wondering I wonder if I wonder if they know the good news that there's a husband that's waiting to be with them. Or I wonder if, since they had to wait a long time, they found other husbands. So for me, I sat there thinking, Jesus, if, if when you return, you're looking for one bride to marry then am I helping the human family that's still deeply broken? Am I helping to bring shalom to that human family? Like Jesus never said like, blessed are the peace watchers. You know, he didn't say, blessed are you when you watch Extreme Home Makeover on TV and feel great because something awesome is happening for a family. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. So when two things are divided and separate, will you take up a cross and meet at the middle of that conflict? I met a Christian guy named Shane Claiborne, and he talked about when the war in Iraq broke out. He and a group of people flew to Iraq because they said, there's conflict and we think Jesus wants to bring peace. So we'll walk right into the middle of that because that's what we see that Jesus would do. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. I thought that was pretty amazing. So when there's people that have too much and people that don't have enough and there's conflict, where should we find Christians? I would think right in the middle of that. So the question is, will I work for shalom, for peace in the human family? Second question is like, um, well, some of it comes from Greg's message. Then he talked about the season that we're in right now. Marriages in the scriptures were a little different than they are now. Now we get engaged, and that's basically an advanced version of dating. Because at any point, you can slide the ring off and go, you know what, your, your facial hair is too much. I can't handle this. And you can walk away from the whole thing. On grounds of facial hair, and that's totally fair and for us. But in the in in the scriptures times, once you got engaged, that was as binding as a marriage relationship. You couldn't walk away from that. That was like a legal deal. 
But before you got married, you didn't sort of hang out to each other. Now it's like we hang out together and prepare the wedding ceremony. That wasn't what they did. The husband, or the soon-to-be husband, the groom, would leave and go away and make preparations for their life together. Build a house, build a business. That was called the waiting time. And then at a time when she didn't know, when he was done preparing, when all the preparations had been made, he would return to get her, but she wouldn't know when that was going to be. Jesus used this quite a bit. One time he told a story about a group of people who were, a group of girls who were supposed to be waiting for the groom to come, and they, ran, they didn't plan for enough oil, and they ran out of it, and then he came and they missed it. All because they weren't ready. So then here's what I think of. If, if Jesus is my husband and I'm his wife, soon to be, and I don't know when the ceremony's coming, when he does come to get me, will he find me cheating on him? Now, I'm not a very patient person. I go to the grocery store and I'm scanning for the smallest line with the most competent looking checker outer person. I'm gonna, I gotta get in and out of this place. And then I get this secret sense of joy if I get into a line and I'm actually behind someone and I beat them through the register on the way out to the car, that means I won the whole contest. I, I got a problem. I, I can't be patient. Um, but what happens when that's exactly what God is asking me for? I went through the bookstore, Barnes & Noble. It was so, in some ways, really grossing me out. I'm looking at the title of books, and I promise if I had been at Barnes & Noble in the Jesus section, and I was an alien from another planet, and I'm trying to figure out what is it that these people who follow Jesus believe the, the most? Um, there's how to live your best life right now. There's like the purpose-driven Volkswagen. There's like all these books about the seven habits of highly effective Christians. And I think I would think the most important thing for Christians is to be effective, to find purpose. But I think the most important thing that God's asking us for is, will you be faithful? He didn't say he's going to come back for an effective bride, and you better have a whole bunch of work done when I get back. There better be a factory full of products that you produced. He just said, when I come back, will you look pretty for me? So when I was at Barnes & Noble looking around, the other thing I walked through and found that was just as disgusting to me was this magazine. You, this is like 900 pages. This is no longer a magazine. This is like a novel. <laughs> and there's everything in here. $10 million dresses, shoes, the right hair thing. It's craziness. Cakes that like cost more than I would have to sell a child to buy this cake. <laughs> and the whole magazine is how to look ravishing for your husband on your special day. And then I wonder, how can we look ravishing for our husband on our special day? When Jesus comes back for his bride, will he find us fighting with each other? About we like these kind of songs and we like these kind of songs. 
Will he find us? Will he find us and we can't even work out peace amongst each other, let alone welcome other people into God's peace? We'd be arguing over this Greek word or that Greek word or this scripture or that scripture. Can we please? In, in communion, there's like bread and there's wine. And some of the point of communion is that it's like an appetizer for the wedding feast. It's a small picture of what's coming in a larger scale. And Paul one time said, you guys, you guys are fighting so much in between each other that when you eat this meal that's supposed to be about being one, some of you are dying because you're dishonoring God so much by, by being a liar, pretending to eat a meal that calls for unity when really you're as divided as anybody else. Will we work for peace in our homes? Will we look like Jesus? He modeled the way of how to be beautiful. God thinks Jesus is the most beautiful human life that's ever been lived, full of peace, full of love, full of sacrifice. Um, okay, we have a, uh, a short video that we created um, to help us think about some of these ideas. Uh, I think it's always helpful after hearing teaching to have some time. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you knew that. I'm pretty sure you did. Uh, I have a few ideas that I've found helpful in my walk, some things that have caused me to think about new areas of my life that Jesus can take over further. Um, but the Holy Spirit is alive in here and wants to speak to you. Would you at all be interested right now to hear what God would have to say to you? And what we want to do isn't to imagine that we know what that is, but to try to create a space where the God who so deeply loves you can say words to you, can speak to you. So uh, the video, um, here's a couple things about it. It's, it's about six minutes, uh, which probably doesn't feel that long, except it's completely silent. So if you're waiting for the soundtrack, it's never going to start. Um, but what this might mean is that if you have a child that might be a little bit squirmy or, uh, or you know, you have some sort of bronchial infection that's causing you to cough an abnormal amount, you might want to just reposition yourself back towards the back. So if it got really bad or distracting, you can slide out. Um, so we're going to watch this video. And then uh, after that, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share a couple more things. So, and then we'll take off. I had one more part that I wanted to read. Um, it's out of the last book of the Bible. Yeah, everyone can cough now. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel bad for that. Um, Revelation's kind of a crazy book. There's a lot of really weird things, and uh, it sometimes made people stay away from it, but there's a lot of really beautiful parts in here. Um, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. You ever been like around a stadium, like a football stadium when they scored a touchdown and you weren't right there so you couldn't hear, but from far away it sounded like the ocean was going to crash over you, just a monstrous sound of water. It was like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder and there was shouting. Hallelujah. 
for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding, the wedding of the Lamb has finally come. And His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. And I don't know where you're at tonight or today, this morning. It feels like night in here. Maybe you're not doing that good at waiting for your husband. It's a fine line between loving your job and marrying your job. It's a fine line between loving your kids and worshiping them. fine line between using resources to meet your needs of food and clothing and homes and cars. It's another thing to marry those things. Maybe you're not sure what to do because you've never even been engaged to Jesus so you're not sure what you're waiting for. Maybe you're like me and one thing you struggle with, which I do all the time, I'm doing it right now. is this idea that you're loved when you perform well. If my jokes are funny enough and this teaching is slick enough, then a bunch of you will come up to me and tell me that I did a good job. And what you'll mean is that that was really helpful for me, way to go. What I'll hear is you have value as a person, you're loved. And if I don't hear that, then I'll think that I'm not. Maybe for you the concept of of God's love and your performance are the same thing. And maybe you need to hear the words. Right now, exactly where you are, God loves you in the same way that he loves Jesus. The team's going to sing a song. I'm going to ask the folks that pray for people if they want to come up. There's probably a million things that you could... um, use someone to help pray for you about. And if you're feeling like prompted that that's what you want, then just come on up and we'll pray for you. Uh, and then after the song, I'm going to come up and close in prayer. Folks that are down here praying will wait for a few minutes in case uh, you didn't come down during the song but wanted to. Um, well, let's just seal our time together. Um, why should we gain from your reward? I, I have no idea. But I do know, God, once you get a dream in your head, you're going to see that through. 
that before the creation of the world, you had a dream of marrying humans and nothing could have stopped it, not our rebellion, not a flood, not an adversary, not principalities or powers or demons. Nothing could stop what you planned to do from the beginning. Lord, help us together find our life and our wholeness in you. And give us the strength that it takes to be a faithful people while we wait. In your name, amen. Have a great week.